Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a weekly look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our Grassroots Government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 10 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, and our podcast this week is originating from New Orleans, where the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation is holding its 96th annual convention. It's the largest farm gathering in the state of Louisiana. Farmers are here from literally every corner of the state, and we'll bring you all of the latest news happening out of this year's convention. So let's get it started right now with the latest headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Topping our news this week, the U.S. House of Representatives passed their version of the 2018 Farm Bill Thursday. It was welcome news to Louisiana farmers here in New Orleans, according to Farm Bureau's National Affairs Director, Kyle McCann. Very glad to see it happen. Wish it could have occurred earlier in the year so we'd be further in the process but they had some immigration issues they had to work out but fortunately we were able to muster the votes it was a very narrow vote 213 to 211 but it was a crucial step forward in the farm bill development process now we're over to the senate i know the senate committee has passed theirs out of committee it heads to the floor now what are you hearing there as far as the senate getting their bill through their chamber Majority Leader McConnell and Pat Roberts, chair of the committee, have expressed interest in getting something done on the floor before the July 4th break. That would be next week. Uh, All points look like they're headed in that direction. Hopefully we'll be able to do it. I know there will be a lot of floor amendments, though, in the Senate, which can slow things down. And when we talk about those amendments, we always see them come after the sugar program. They did that over in the House. It was defeated. Are we preparing for that to happen again in the Senate? Always prepared for that. Not really uh, thinking that we'll get one this time. Uh, They pretty much had their say over at the House and saw how things worked out. Uh, We do, however, expect some harmful amendments as it relates to payment limitations and some other provisions on programs that would shift funding away from some of the commodity programs as they exist now into other areas. Uh, Mainly the uh, actively engaged and payment limit issues will come from Senator Grassley, and he's always been a staunch opponent of um, providing payments in a way that meets with Southern agriculture, and we are very concerned about what he'll be up to. 
Farm Bureau's Cal McCann. The Louisiana sugar industry is happy to see the House pass a farm bill. Jim Seymour is executive director of the American Sugarcane League based in Thibodeau, Louisiana. We had an outstanding vote uh, against an anti-sugar amendment that came. We, we won like 278 to 137. A strong vote for America's sugar farmers and Louisiana's sugar farmers in particular. And the bill made it out of the House uh, with, with good sugar provisions in it. So we're really happy with that. Now we're over to the Senate. That bill has passed through committee and is ready to hit the floor. Do you think we're facing a hostile attack on the Senate side? Yeah, no question. Our opponents are relentless. They'll be after us again in the Senate with the Toomey Shaheen Amendment. And once again, it's an amendment that could potentially uh, bankrupt America's sugar farmers and Louisiana's sugar farmers and, and do uh, detrimental damage to our 220-year-old sugar industry. Uh, we're hopeful we can beat it back on the Senate floor. We think we can and hopefully get a good bill out of the Senate too. Jim Simon with the American Sugarcane League. While the House passed a farm bill, they defeated an immigration reform bill last week. And that bill was the subject of many speakers during the Labor and Environmental Conference here at the Farm Bureau Convention. Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation says without some reform, the current problems with the H-2A guest worker program could be disastrous for America's farmers. H-2A today is growing very fast, has over 200,000 workers. If we don't get some better provisions that are responsive to growers, more flexible, more economic, fewer burdensome costs on recruitment and other things, we're going to hit a wall. So we want to make sure we can get a better program. Mr. Goodlatte has a bill that would set up a new H2C program. In many ways it meets Farm Bureau policy. That's all good. We're pressing to do that. On the other side, we have an existing workforce, over a million workers, many of whom are here on false documents. We cannot afford to lose those as we transition to a new guest worker program, so we need provisions that legalize and stabilize those workers. On that section of the bill, the House bill doesn't quite meet our policy. We're going to try to make it better. If we can't do it in the House, we'll do it in the Senate. Louisiana nurseryman Randy Bracey is also chair of the Louisiana Farm Bureau's Labor Advisory Committee. He says he got his hopes up when he heard the House was considering immigration reform. But those hopes were dashed when it went down to defeat. First, I was really disappointed. I was hoping it was a good bill for labor, for agriculture. But when it failed... A lot of hopes went out the window, to be honest with you. And it was probably one of our best chances to get something through Congress. Being an election year and everything, it's going to be tough for us to get any kind of really serious changes in labor. So it's not a good picture for us right now. Louisiana nurseryman Randy Bracey. Rapids Parish took top honors at this year's Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention, earning the President's Trophy for the second year in a row. Rapids Parish Farm Bureau President Bill Cheek. Really and truly, it's just everybody pitching in and, and doing their part. And, and sometimes it's just not easy to get everything done, but uh, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a good staff to do it, and we feel like that over the years we've uh, just really been fortunate enough to have that kind of staff. The top young farmers in the state come from Caddo Parish this year. Jacob and Carrie Rumbaugh were named winners of Farm Bureau's Young Farmer and Rancher Achievement Award. We'll have more from the Rumballs in our In the Field segment later in the podcast. The Excellence in Agriculture Award is given each year to a young person who isn't a full-time farmer, but is involved in both Farm Bureau and an agricultural profession. 
The award went to Jamie Lee, who is both a farm wife and an agricultural education teacher at Kaplan High School in Vermilion Parish. She says being married to a farmer is a big help in teaching young people about agriculture. It leaves no shortage of fun stories for the classroom, and I really get to incorporate everything I experience at home working with my husband in the classroom to teach kids about real-world agriculture. Lee says teaching teenagers has its challenges, but it's a very rewarding career. It's definitely a challenge, but teenagers today don't get enough credit. Everybody hears about how teenagers are lazy or they're entitled, but that's certainly not the case with all of them. I have some seriously amazing young men and women who work with me in my FFA chapter. We travel the country with these kids, and they are they're amazing. They're hardworking. They're respectful. So I really don't think it's fair to lump all teenagers together in this social media age because there are definitely some people that I can't wait to work alongside of in the future. That's a look at some of the latest news headlines coming out of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention here in New Orleans. There's lots more, and we'll bring that to you in next week's podcast. Meanwhile, stick around. We're going to the halls of government to talk about the special legislative session going on right now. Joe Mapes is standing by in this week's edition of Grassroots Government, next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Growing up in Sarepta, I could see the value of agriculture every time I left the house. Whether it was timber going to the paper mill or cattle in a pasture, I knew the farmers, ranchers, and landowners were keeping my hometown on the map. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation helps keep them in business. So join the Farm Bureau today. Become a member at lafarmbureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. On our Grassroots Government segment this week, we continue our podcast from the 96th Annual Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation Convention in New Orleans. And we're visiting with Joe Mapes, lobbyist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Joe, I know that you are neck deep in the third special session at the Louisiana legislature. I guess my first question would be, do you notice any difference, I guess, in the attitude of the legislature now that we're into this third session? Has anything changed from the last two? You know, that's a really great question, Kerry. I was on the phone with Senator Francis Thompson this morning, and he made that very point. He said, Joe, I sense a congeniality here that hasn't been here for the previous sessions. And I agree with him, Kerry. So, yes, uh, I think that's lending itself towards the three pieces of legislation that got out of the House Tax Committee, the Ways and Means Committee this morning. I think that's a good example of some congeniality that wasn't there before. Well, tell me about the progress that has been made so far in this special session. Well, in this special session, we're on the third day. We're about uh, two-thirds of the way through that. And they considered measures, uh, pieces of legislation in the committee over the past 
well, yesterday they did, and they brought up the concepts of them. Today they brought the actual bills up to be voted on. And out of, I'm not sure how many were in there, but three pieces of legislation got out of there. Uh, they, they all look the same. But what's good about it, they have different authors and different uh, factions that are backing them. So when it's all said and done, hopefully they'll meld all into one bill with that one author, Carrie. You and I have discussed before the fact that the legislature has come after the agricultural tax exemptions. Are we safe in this session? We've been working very closely with everybody from the governor's office to the Republican Party, the Democratic caucus, and uh, certainly our chairman of the Ag Committee, Senator Francis Thompson and Representative Clay Shakesnyder. And we're able to, so far, keep everything in place. We've had a couple of uh, close calls over the past few sessions, but right now, Uh, We're holding our own, and we're looking good. How much longer do we have left, and do you anticipate that this will finally be the final special session? we got a week left from today, and I do anticipate that this will be the final session. Back to that original question and point about congeniality, I I sense a consensus forming towards uh, an agreement maybe between a half-penny renewal of the sales tax and a third, something like four-tenths of a penny, right smack dab in the middle. Uh, Yes, Gary, I think we're going to put an end to it here and fund the budget come July 1st. That's Joe Mapes, lobbyist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Coming up next, we go in the field, podcasting from the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation's 96th Annual Convention in New Orleans. That's next on The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Farm Bureau has been working for Louisiana's farmers and ranchers since 1922, and that work continues today. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. Farm Bureau knows you're busy running your operation, so while you're at work on your farm or ranch, Farm Bureau is watching out for your interests. So join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. On our In the Field segment this week, we continue our three-part series focusing on the three finalists for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher Achievement Award. And this week, we're talking with the winners of the 2018 Young Farmer and Rancher Achievement Award, Jacob and Carrie Rumbaugh of Caddo Parish. Guys, last night you announced the winners of this award. Jacob, how's it feel? Uh, it's amazing, and it's just a huge honor for us to be chosen, you know, among our peers. Uh, you know, we have some very good farmers and some very good young farmers in Louisiana, and to be chosen, you know, among our peers uh, for this award is a huge honor for us. Carrie, your thoughts? We're thankful. We're excited. This is a great honor. Well, let's talk a little bit about your farming operation. Let's tell everybody about what you do. Jacob, let's first start with your crop operation. How many acres and which crops do you have in this year? Uh, we're close to 1,100 acres, and this year we're uh, strictly soybeans and corn. How about cattle? I know you have quite a few cattle as well. Yeah, we have some cattle scattered everywhere right now. You know, we've got uh, we've got cattle in, cattle in Bossier Parishes. We've got some cattle in Kansas right now, so... 
you know, we, we try to have diversity in the operation. Do you have cattle on feed in Kansas or grazing up? How does that work for you guys? Uh, we're currently feeding some cattle in Kansas, so we'll uh, time will tell how that works out. Well, let's talk about crop conditions. I know it's been a crazy year as far as weather is concerned. How are things looking up in Caddo Parish right now? You know, our soybeans still look okay. Um, it's It's been very dry. Uh, luckily, we're, you know, around two-thirds irrigated, so that's helped mitigate some of that. Um, as far as the corn goes, you know, it, for our sandy land, it's been about as bad as it can get. It was wet and cold early. You know, the, the sandy land really struggled, uh, and then instantly it goes hot and dry, so our sandy land is struggling that we can't irrigate, but uh, the rest of it's holding on, you know, even with the uh, amount of dryness we've had in our area. Any luck with cutting hay this year? Are you behind schedule on that? Uh, luckily, we pay people to cut our hay, so we end up buying it, and, uh, you know, we tre- usually try and buy it early in the summer, so uh, we've actually got all of our hay stockpiled for the year already. Smart move, definitely. Carrie, I know you do a lot of work with the cattle. How has uh, the cattle condition been holding up with this crazy weather this year? It's crazy. Um, It got hot extremely fast. You know, it was cold and wet for so long, and then all of a sudden it was up in the 90s. And so um, we're having to really check the calves right now because they can get sick in this heat. And um, so you're keeping a watch on them. I know also you're raising uh, two very important things on your farm, and, and that's two kids. Tell me about your kids and the role they play on the farm. Well, right now my daughter is in 4-H, and we are raising show goats, so that's what we're going to do a lot of this summer, go to shows, and um, just keep helping around the farm. You guys have been very active in the Farm Bureau's Young Farmer and Rancher program, and usually on this segment I ask everyone that I interview how important it is to be involved in an organization like Farm Bureau. How important, Jacob, why do you think it's important to spend the time that it takes away from the farm to be involved in an organization like this? Well, first of all, just young farm and ranchers, it's a great opportunity for us to network across the state. You know, we have a very diverse state agricultural-wise, and, you know, being from Caddo Parish, we're in just a, you know, a narrow little Red River Valley, so there's not a lot of ag, there's not a huge ag presence in our area. So it gives us a chance, first of all, to network across the state, you know, Uh, see young people that do what we're doing have the same struggles we do Um, but I believe the most important role of Farm Bureau is the legislative issues you know the the fact that you know we have this convention and we can have over a thousand farmers here uh, shows what kind of presence we have across the state and I think that draws attention to the issues um, and you know lets those legislators know that we do have a voice uh, and to me that's Farm Bureau's biggest role is going to be our voice in the legislative issues and able to protect you know the way we make our living. Jacob and Carrie Rumbaugh of Caddo Parish, winners of the 2018 Young Farmer and Rancher Achievement Award. Thanks so much for your time, guys. Thank you very much. We're very honored. Coming up next, we continue our podcast from the 96th Annual Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention in New Orleans. We continue with our market segment, Greg Fox and Dave Foster. They'll give us insights on the grain and livestock markets next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
This is Trace Atkins for Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. You know your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gives you access to the best insurance on the planet, but it can also save you hundreds when you buy a car. On vacation, your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gets you discounts on hotels and rental cars, and it makes you part of a group that's 143,000 families strong. So go to LAFarmBureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office to become a member. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And we continue from the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention in New Orleans, and we're visiting with our regular market analyst, Greg Fox, with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. And Greg, I don't know if this was a week to remember or a week to forget but it was definitely a week, especially for the soybean market. Things just went crazy on Tuesday. What happened? A lot of that simply uh, tariff talks. Um, you look at some of the stock numbers that we have, and a lot of folks expected to see soybeans kind of back down a little bit just because of the numbers we're looking at, the sheer numbers and the volume. But then you throw these tariff talks in, and the risk of China buying U.S. soybeans right now is very high or dangerous, and you saw the markets just tumble because of that. When we look at the prices, you know, we were as much as uh, 50 cents lower on Tuesday. We recovered a lot of that to close, oh, 20 or so cents lower. But the market really was drifting lower and then finished higher. It was It's just kind of a crazy week. Very crazy. A lot of uncertainty. Weather's very strong right now in the Midwest. They're getting their crop in. It looks good. No major issues. Everything's well above the five-year average. So you just throw those tariff talks in, that trade news. There's just so much unknown right now. It, it, it can get settled and it can get unsettled so quickly, and nobody wants to jump out there and buy any shipments from the U.S. right now. Uh, one positive, I guess, you could take out of it is some of those smaller buyers are jumping in the market right now and buying from us, like a Japan or Taiwan or somebody. They'll jump in and buy. And South America, Brazil, their ports are getting backed up a little bit, so you saw some small shipments get switched from them to the U.S. origins. Of course, that's not China. But it's good to see that stuff come from come to us. So, you know, it's just going to take time to settle this stuff out and then focus on numbers. Corn wasn't hit nearly as hard. Any news to talk about in the corn market this week? No, not really. Uh, kind of same thing. You know, stock numbers look good. Planted acres and weather looks really good right now. So we did see some export sales into Mexico and to someone else I can't recall. Um, but it's kind of the same thing. It's Nobody's in the buying market right now. And then you look at China. You know, they don't buy a ton of corn from us, but they're dumping their reserves into their own market. So they're not in the market buying corn either. So we got to get through this lull and get these get these talks straightened out. And then I think it'll be back to business. What kind of reaction did you get from your customers as far as pricing this new crop? Maybe some of this new crop that was unsold. Did you have any farmers that wanted to go ahead and, and jump in before the market fell lower? Or was it more of a cautious approach this week? It's been more of a cautious approach. We had a lot of stuff sold earlier in the year when we were in the 1030s to 1050 range. Uh, so it, it was more of now we're starting to see the rain and the crops are starting to turn around. So it's a lot of, hey, do you think this market can recover? Because if I, if I keep getting the rains that I'm getting, uh, this, is, this could be a big crop and I'll need to sell more. So I think a lot of our guys were in pretty good shape. A good chunk of it has sold. 
so they can afford to sit back and try to let some of this stuff play out. Uh, you got a few guys that probably should have sold more sooner and just didn't, so they'll just have to wait it out. But it's, it's tough to sell beans at $9 when you've been selling them at 10 what are you hearing uh, out in the country as far as conditions? You, you mentioned already that you're hearing some f- reports of pretty good rain. Uh, what's the attitude out there right now? Pretty positive. You know, some guys have irrigation, so that stuff looks pretty good. And some of the dry land that didn't get irrigation, just depending on where you are, it's still struggling a little bit because, you know, the entire state didn't catch all the rain that they needed. You know, they got a couple of tents in some spots. But the guys have been consistently catching some rain here this week. Uh, they're real excited about what they have. Greg Fox, Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Thanks a lot, man. Oh, thank you. Soybeans closed higher to end the week with July beans up 14 cents, 8.94 and a half. November soybeans up 14 and three quarters, 9.16 and a quarter. The corn market was mostly steady. July corn up a quarter penny, 3.57 and a quarter, with September corn unchanged, 3.66 and a half. July wheat down four cents, 4.91 and a quarter. A mixed close in rough rice. New crop September rice up 25 cents, 10.57 and a half. And a strong jump in the cotton market to end the week. July cotton up 259 points, 85.80. December cotton up 103 points to close at 85.32. September sugar up 13, closing at 25.96. Now it's time to look at the cattle markets, and we go to our regular market analyst, Dave Foster, CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Dave, I thought you were going to make it down here to New Orleans. We sure do miss you. Well, something came up, and I wasn't able to make it today, so I'm glad to be missed. (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit about the cattle markets. First off, we'll start with the cattle on feed report that came out on Friday. Uh, What did you see in those numbers in that report, Dave? It it was pretty interesting. The uh, quote-unquote experts, uh, they estimated it was like uh, the total cattle on feed was going to be up about 3%, and it actually was up 4%. Um, the marketings were uh, right at uh, about the same. It was 105.2 was the estimate, and it was the actual was 105, so up up 5% on marketings. But here's the place that uh, it was off a little bit, and it, and it really had an effect on the market. The uh, the analysts, they uh, the experts, they they said they would be uh, down about uh, oh about f- uh, right at 4%. And uh, it ended up that the um, the actual came in about just a tad bit higher, so they called it uh, the same as last year. It was just a few thousand head more on feed. And so what happened is that triggered um, the packers to go out. They they had bought some cattle earlier in the week and and basically paid uh, a buck ten something like that. And and uh, and then uh, everybody was kind of thinking this thing would get good and. They could get a little higher prices, but it ended up uh, they sold cattle on Friday uh, from a dollar eight to a dollar nine, which was two to four lower than last week. So, so that was uh, something that, uh, again, uh, with those packers controlling all the inventory, uh, that it, uh, it, it it took the market down. And but I can tell you, Kerry, uh, there's some things that are very interesting that that came out, and if you would allow me to, I'd like to kind of read from USDA's National Feeder and Stocker Cattle Summary, um, some interesting facts that I think will have a, a, a pretty big effect on, on us here in Louisiana and certainly through the southeast. Absolutely, Dave. Go right ahead. It, uh, it goes on to say that this week's cattle slaughter was estimated at 664,000 head. 
That's 10,000 head more than last week, and here's the big number, 25,000 for the same week a year ago. The year-to-date cattle slaughter is 3.1% more than a year ago at this juncture. The Now, here's another important factor that that's going to affect us, I believe, is year-to-date heifer slaughter ending May 31st is 7.9% and 13.5% above a year ago and the previous three-year uh, average. Additionally, beef cow slaughter is 12.6% and and 21.7% more than a year ago and the previous three-year average. So with, um, with that having said, I really believe there's some opportunities for us there to kind of change up a little bit or, or to decide what we want to do. And what I'm saying is that with, um, with those kind of data, that kind of figure, and with Louisiana, like the rest of the Southeast, we're able to grow uh, forages uh, year-round and pretty much. And so we have that advantage to kind of uh, not be – marketing at the same time this sort of we could we can save cattle we can stretch them out we can do different things with them so here's the key to that if if uh, a person gets into they regular market their cattle and say the fall of the year early september uh, and the heifer price isn't all that good they got a way to work them through on a ryegrass program or something uh, this heifer price could be good uh, next uh, next spring, and so the same way with uh, replacement cows. I think I think there'll be a good market for that uh, replacement cows. And then that report went on to say, with deteriorating pasture conditions in the central part of the country, many more cows will find their way to market the marketplace in the, in some capacity this summer, if conditions worsen. Some producers may be looking into an early weaning program. Uh, and so they, they're they talking about, the, they've identified the top three states with, with cattle numbers of Texas, Oklahoma, and Missouri. Not only do they have the, uh, the most cattle and beef cows, but they also, uh, they're, they're experiencing 45% of their land mass is uh, in a drought condition of a D1, which is a worst drought condition. So uh, there, there are some things that are going to be happening, and um, now they have had some rain this week in the past week in those areas, so it may not be as severe, but they've already started moving cattle. And, and I'm, what I'm saying is I think that's all positive for us uh, here where we've got some flexibility. So it may be something that, uh, that our producers will uh, – We'll be able to pick up and, and do something with, or at least have some different options. I think we're in a good position that way. Dave Foster, he's CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Always great information, Dave. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You have a good week. Coming up next, it's time to take a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar and check out all of the events happening over the coming week. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. I grew up in Louisiana farm country, and I know all the hard work and sacrifice that you put into raising livestock, growing a crop, raising a family, and running a farm. Farm Bureau puts that same hard work and sacrifice into making life better for you and your family, so join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. We have three events coming up this coming week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. First, on Tuesday, June the 26th, it's the Horizon Ag Louisiana Field Day. Horizon is holding a field day at Christian Richard's Farm near Kaplan in Vermilion Parish. Of course, we've had Christian as a guest here on our podcast in the past, and he's always an innovative and trend-setting farmer. That would be a great field day to go out and see what Horizon and Christian are doing on his farm in Kaplan. If you'd like more information on that field day, check out Horizon's website at horizonseed.com. Then the next day, Wednesday, June the 27th, it's a very big field day. The LSU Ag Center is hosting their H. Rouse Caffey Rice Research Station Field Day. People literally come from around the globe to this field day. It's happening this coming Wednesday, June 27th at the Rice Research Station in Crowley. Also on the 27th, Wednesday, the Louisiana Grazing Lands Conservation Institute is holding a Sustainable Pasture Management Pasture Walk. That is in Pioneer, Louisiana at Cliff Vining's Farm. You can find more information on this event on the LGLCI website. It's Louisiana glci.org louisiana glci.org for more information on their pasture walk in pioneer coming up on wednesday well that's a look at all of the events coming up on the ag calendar over the coming week and that wraps up our podcast from the louisiana farm bureau convention in new orleans it's been a great convention and it's been a great podcast i've really enjoyed hosting it for you be sure to always connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Voice of LA Ag. We update both of those accounts daily with the latest news and information in Louisiana agriculture. We'll see you right back here next week. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.